0: Welcome to Campfire Football, I'm Sebastian North, and this is episode 41. I don't really have much of a title for this one, it's more or less just a recap of what happened this weekend, 6th and 7th of March, and there was a lot going on. I actually personally had a huge weekend of coaching myself, Uh, my two girls teams, U14 and U15 teams played, one of them in a uh, qualifying game for a President's Cup tournament, uh, which we lost, uh, sort of rough uh, rough game we had to suffer defensively a lot and it's interesting because i was able to talk to them a little bit about how much i saw fulham suffer against liverpool and i'll talk about that in a little bit but it was just interesting to have to watch a team where you go look the opponent's better they're better than us we just have to fight scrap be gritty tackle and defend and so it was a good lesson for them uh, I should have been putting on sunscreen before this game at 10:30 uh, in the morning because after that I had to hightail it to uh, across town to see my other girls' team play in a semifinal, and they were utterly, completely, and totally dominant. It was the opposite of the first game. This team, we were so much better than, and we just could not score. They had two, three chances in the whole game. Scored on two of them. We ended up getting one late. Lost 2-1. But my goodness, what a lesson it's gonna it's gonna be for them to understand when you're on top, when you're the better team, you just you just have to find ways to win the game and score goals. And then for me as a coach, this is something I, I kind of wanted to share, is that it hurts to watch your team completely dominate and then lose. There's something so embarrassing about it for you as a coach. You feel like everything that didn't quite work is on you, that your players didn't create good enough chances and didn't finish because you have not done good enough a job of coaching them through it. And so I had to go through that a little bit last night uh, with a very red red face. Uh, I'm sore because I didn't put sunscreen on, and I, I I always learn my lesson the hard way on this one. <laughs> but these games that I coached this weekend, they really, really mirrored some of the things we saw in this weekend and and made me think a lot about how teams develop these kinds of winning mentalities and how they go – ...on a run using momentum, how when they're in control of a game, they keep control of the game, right? We see Man City so frequently dominate, dominate, dominate from beginning to end. But those moments where they score really are so crucial. You never know when the goal is going to come. You can be dominating for 90 minutes, and for some reason, the the goal just doesn't appear. And the other team, smash and grab style, just come in and snag one off of a chance... We see this a lot and I experienced it in a very harsh way this weekend, but also saw it in a big way in the pro stage. So moving on to some of the games, some of the storylines. First of all, you know what? Give me a moment. I got, I got to give a little bit of, uh, I got to give some credit where it's due here. All right. I, I have to hold up the trophy. I know this is a classic MLS ball. But congratulations to Rangers FC for winning the Scottish Premiership. Well done, guys. Congratulations to Steven Gerrard. They are still unbeaten. They could yet still go invincible, which would be really, really interesting. Really impressive. They're still in the Europa League, and they look like a really good quality side able to win it. But more than anything, this is a congratulations to the Scottish Premiership for having you know a decade worth of celtic alone and not just celtic beating rangers to the title you know on a on a close basis or on the final day every single one of celtic's wins over the past decade have been too easy rangers wasn't even in the league for half of them because they were relegated all the way down to the bottom tier of scottish football and had to get themselves back up so now we finally have a scottish premiership where every single season from day 1 you have No idea which of the two is really going to be the strongest. And that's going to just make it more interesting. And hopefully, there's a little investment that goes into the Scottish game so that Motherwell, Hibs, Hearts, some of these other clubs actually are able to start building a little bit more. Maybe go on Europa League runs, things like that. And the Scottish Premiership can get stronger again. That's what I'm hoping. Because when I was growing up, Rangers and Celtic were these institutions, right? Like, even though they dominated their league they would go into Europe and really ruffle people up. And, you know, hopefully we can get back to that stage. All right, I want to talk about the Women's Super League in in, uh, England right now because it is so hot of a title race. This is another one of the races around Europe that is super tight. Not very many people are obviously talking about it. But hopefully, by mentioning these things, we can generate a little more interest in it because there's something really crazy going on here. Look, Chelsea have 41 points. Man City of 39, Man United of 35. That's your title race. There are six games to go, right? So, anything's possible. Man United, I think, really, really are on the outskirts. Their next match is actually against Arsenal. And if they don't win that one, I think they are out of the race. Reason why, Chelsea and Man City are very unlikely to drop points at any point for the next few games. But, the key is the big blockbuster match of the women's Super League. I, I, if you are interested at all, even if you're you know curious and you maybe not watched a game, this is the one. April 25th, Chelsea against City, it's going to be City you're gonna be the home team. and provided both squads come with their full fit lineups, this could really, really be a, a quite incredible finish to the season. The, the truth is Chelsea and Man City have been so dominant throughout the league, that it, it, it's been, it, it really has come down to these big games. Chelsea lost somehow against Brighton, who were almost at the bottom a few weeks ago. And that's what made this just so, so tight. The goal difference is plus 41 to Chelsea and plus 40 to Man City. So this is going to go, I mean, this could go to the final day. It could be won by a point, it could be won by goal difference. It's going to be really, really, really tense. So keep an eye on that. The next few games are going to be interesting to see if they can both keep the same pace. And then they play each other on uh, April 25th. So keep an eye on that. Again, ATA football is the place to, to go. And look, I'm sure this game will be televised uh, pretty openly on most of the regular channels. But ATA football is where you want to go if you want to be able to get just more access to the women's game. All right. A game that I only was able to actually see the first half of live is their class seeker. Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund. Super stri- superstar striker time, basically. You had Erling Haaland get two goals in nine minutes. And then Bayern basically just took over. Uh, I, I, it was very clear after about 15 minutes when Bayern settled themselves in the game, they had no concerns as to whether or not they could score two or three or four. The question was, could Dortmund continue to hurt them? And is that two goal and nine minute lead just enough of a head start to outlast whatever Bayern can bring? Trouble is, no, Erling Holland comes off in the 63rd minute from some kind of minor injury, I guess. And Dortmund just didn't really have much to offer after that. And Bayern, well, when you've got Robert Lewandowski who can bag a hat trick the way he did, it's it's really, really difficult. Um, so that title race is, yeah, I, I still really truly believe Bayern Munich are going to outlast everybody. The reason why is they may drop a point or two against teams you know, in the mid-table or somewhere below them, someone who's not really on their radar. But when it comes to games that genuinely matter, they always bring it. They always bring the right mentality. They always bring the right quality. And I just don't really see how RB Leipzig are really going to go and and win this. But they they, they will have a showdown later. Uh, I think that's uh, in mid to late April. So we'll see what happens. Uh, RB Leipzig do have Liverpool in midweek. This is a huge thing for them. So if they stay in the Champions League, you can only assume the Bundesliga is going to become a little bit more of a distraction. Both competitions might clash with each other, potentially. Uh, But we'll see what happens with Liverpool in midweek for RB Leipzig. Moving on to La Liga. Atletico Madrid are caving in. It's... It's a boat with holes all over it, and the only one with duct tape seems to be Luis Suarez, who scored a spectacular goal. I mean, the the goal was very good. Build up from the back, quick, quick burst through the midfield from Llorente, and he plays in Suarez, who does the kind of thing that Suarez does. Pulls out a very creative, unique type of finish outside of the boot in a moment that doesn't necessarily require that skill he's good enough to go ahead and just yank that one out of the bag today and do it. And I really did look like I'd let you were on the right path and then really interesting they started to just completely pull back in the second half. And I think Federico Valverde coming in and adding some dynamism to that Real Madrid midfield instead of just age and class and passing range that they have, ability to control the game. Having Federico Valverde in there really changed things. And then Atletico started to sit back, return to their their old ways, the Simeone way, and concede a late goal. The problem for them is Real Madrid are going to keep trudging along. They're going to get results where they can. Benzema's back. Sergio Ramos will eventually be back. But the real problem, I think, for Atletico is Barcelona. I think in the last few weeks... I look at Barcelona and if Messi's going to be around, which he mostly stays fit, he rarely gets injured. He now is playing with a sense of happiness. At least he looks to be enjoying himself. I'm not saying this means he's staying at the club, but he is dominating games with a smile on his face. The two assists he had, I mean the ball to Jordi Alba was ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And then a nice little layoff for the for the second goal. But the way he's playing, the way that they're inspired right now, Barcelona, they're not without flaws, no doubt. But Atleti, it feels like they just kind of were at the top of the table just because they had a good start, and now the reality is is setting in. Are they actually good enough to get over the line and outlast this, this title race? Because honestly, I think if the title race was four or five games longer, no question they wouldn't win it. But they might just have enough of a lead and Bayern and or, and Real Madrid and Barcelona might just not be perfect enough over the course of the season. But look, I I think placing money on Barca to win this title might might be a pretty decent safe bet. Okay, United against City, the Manchester derby. I think it kind of had to happen this way for Man City. That if they were going to if they were going to get knocked out or, sorry, if their run, there's this long, long, amazing winning run was going to end, feels like Man United are the best team to go and ruin the party. It, it, that tends to be how it works. Darbies or big, big clashes a lot of the time are where these streaks come to a close. Luke Shaw looked like Roberto Carlos. Pretty incredible. But, yeah, it was interesting. Uh, Man United did a, did the right thing. They, they came at City in the first 10 minutes, roughed them up a little bit, got a goal, and then... You know, They just played without any fear. And I think that if you're going to get results against City, you just kind of have to take that approach and hope it pans out. They're such a good side. They easily could have scored a couple goals. Raheem Sterling missed an unbelievably good chance. So, look, I don't think City are in any kind of turning point where their season's going to start going off the rails. But they do need to refocus themselves because the Champions League really is their main target. All they have to do is beat Spurs... Uh, in the League Cup, that title will be in the bank. I don't no way anyone's really catching them in the Premier League, I don't think. And so the Champions League is that last bit for them. The FA Cup they'll be in and around it, but they need to keep keep winning games. This one doesn't really matter that much. but the ones that do, if teams decide to come at them, they have to be able to handle that. and so we'll see we'll see how Man City deal with it. Okay, Spurs Palace. There's a hashtag that uh, we got to keep rolling. I've seen it in a couple places. I'm all about it. I think Spurs fans, are, it's going to make them giddy. It is hashtag Harith Kale. Because when that happens, the two goals, two assists, they, when they are doing this, I mean, the goals were awesome. It was so much fun to watch the, the, the highlight reel. Because I didn't get to see this game live. But my goodness, Spurs looked a ton of fun to watch realizing that that the first half was a, an absolute bore and that they conceded a goal right before halftime, Mourinho did say that that was good, a good catalyst for them for the second half. So Kane's goals, both of them, the first one in particular, terrific. But yeah, hashtag Harris Kale. I would love to see this keep going for the rest of the season because Spurs are a team that they're more fun to watch when they're good, to be honest. It's more fun when they're competing. So, yeah. Well done, Mourinho, for uh, getting Gareth Bale fit. I hope that that narrative is uh, starting to is going to work. I'm sure Spurs are tepidly getting excited, but this is going in the right direction for them. So before I get to the final topic, I just wanted to mention, there's a couple games going on today. As I record this, it's uh, 8.30 in the morning, Mountain Standard Time in the United States and Colorado. Chelsea Everton uh, starts in about two and a half hours. Inter-Atalanta is the midday game. And then I'll also report on what happens between West Ham and Leeds. If there's really much of note, there very well might be. But Inter-Atalanta is a huge game for this title race. Juve are, are still winning games. They're still a team with all the experience. If they need to go on a 5-6 game winning run, they very easily could do that for Inter-Milan. This is the kind of game they need to keep inching towards the title. For Atalanta, if they're going to stay in the title race, they need to win this. And if they're going to really solidify Champions League football, they need to win this. And both of these teams are exciting to watch. So that game is going to be incredible. Chelsea Everton, I think this is going to be a really interesting test because take a look at the managers. You've got Tuchel, who's on a great roll at Chelsea right now. And then you've got King Carlo Ancelotti on the other side. And I... I gotta say, it's gonna it, I think there's gonna be it's gonna be tense, but there's gonna be good football. I think this is gonna be a really interesting game to watch. Okay, the final topic. It has to be Liverpool. I wanna first go ahead and mention Fulham because I wanna start with the winners on this one. Fulham won a game by suffering like crazy, defending in I mean, at the end of the game, I think it was a back seven with a midfield three of Mitrovic, Loftus-Cheek, and I think Lookman, and that was and that was it. Um, and then the, the rest of the defense was just one line of seven across the back. Uh, Anderson and Tosin Adarabayo were exceptional. And behind them, Alfonso Ariola, the save, the double save he had from the Diogo Jota volley, first to palm it up into the air and actually make the save, but then to get up from the ground and palm it away again. That was really excellent goalkeeping and, and probably a hugely inspiring moment for Fulham where it's like, Oh God, our goalkeeper just did something kind of, you know, gravity defying at this point. This was the guy acted like a cat here. So we got, we got to do this. And I mean, the thing about Fulham is that you could see them just get more and more comfortable with what they were doing defensively and knew that, you know, if they had to play another twenty minutes, yeah, they'd probably concede a goal. But that they knew that that ninety-fourth minute, when that arrived, done, and they lasted it. And I gotta say, Scott Parker, give him huge credit. By the way, dude looked fly. I love that that gray three-piece he had. It was really slick. I mean, I'm really liking Scott Parker. He he was a great player. I loved, loved him at Chelsea. He just didn't quite fit into the more glamorous style of play that they started to have after Mourinho left. But he's been excellent at Fulham. I love the way he does handles interviews and just his demeanor on the sideline. And the way he makes decisions in matches to help his team, really, really, you got to give him a ton of credit. I hope strongly that Fulham stay up because... They've, they've shown absolutely that they deserve it the way that they've changed their approach, survived in games. Their, their, their current run is unbelievable, and they've gone and beaten the champions and handed them their sixth straight home defeat. So let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six, yeah, this is making the rounds right now. Uh, obviously, it's kind of like when Chelsea put the giant number three on their kits at the end of last season, and all of a sudden, every game was either they conceded three goals or scored three goals. Um, six seems to be the magic number for Liverpool right now in a magic-tragic way. I don't really know, but it really is astonishing. I mean, I, I've watched m- many of their games on this run, and uh, you know, since last season, been watching them, and... I think last season, the way that they won the title was weird, first of all. We have to take into account that the season that they pushed City to the limit and lost the title by a point, that was when they were so much more rampant. They scored way more goals. They were putting teams away in the first half. And then last season, when they went on that uh, unbelievable run and won the title basically by Christmas, there were a lot of games that were tight. They were winning late. They were, you know drawing game in the 80th minute that they'd been behind and then winning it. Uh, There were some cracks that I felt were sort of there where it was like, if you guys don't just maul a team and they stick around, you know, that air of invincibility that you have might start to fade. You look at this Fulham game, there was a chance. Sadio Mane, I think it was an unbelievable pass from Robertson, or sorry, from uh, Alexander Arnold. Sadio Mane, eight yards out, just misses the ball. I mean, if that goes in, this is a different, different game. Very different. Because Liverpool just can't score at the moment. So, look, I just want to go through five points that I think are key to this whole entire collapse. And also why I don't really think it's that big of a deal. First of all, a lot's being said about Klopp just getting things wrong. Not really doing anything to make changes where he needs to. Okay. I think it's difficult to know how to fix this because we don't know what's going on on the inside, what he sees in training every day. But here are the big five things. Number one, injuries. Key players at key moments and leaders, right? We know what happens when Virgil van Dyke gets injured. That's terrible. And then you've got his backups. Thiago also got injured in Ever- Everton Derby, so he didn't really get to hit the ground running. I mean, that that does really mess things up. So as far as injuries go... They've had it happen in all the wrong ways, at all the wrong times, to all the wrong people. Okay, That's the start. Then, the air of invincibility that I mentioned. Once that goes away, and people don't show up at Anfield going, oh my god, this is going to be hell. But if they go, you know, if we follow our game plan, we've got a shot. That That psychological difference is huge. And right now we're seeing that, where teams go in and they're like, We've got a chance, and it started with West Brom, and so now it's continued. And unfortunately for Liverpool, it's not like they're being outplayed in all these games. They just can't score. The third thing, bad luck, right? Mistakes at the worst possible moments. You consider the Leicester game and Allison, right? They're winning 1-0, concede a silly goal from a free kick they shouldn't have given away. Then Allison has his blunder. They're 2-1 down, concede a third chase in the game. And a lot of things like this have been happening with Liverpool. Bad mistakes at the wrong times will exacerbate how your results and how your form is going. Number four, the scoring slump from Sadio Sala. Hashtag Sadio Sala. Basically, somehow they just aren't scoring that many goals. You can say what you want about Roberto Firmino's goal drought. He didn't score that many goals last season anyway either. It's mostly the link and then these two scoring a lot of the goals, and they just haven't been doing it. They've just been through a slump. So you don't have your goal scorers doing it, you don't get your defense bailed out. The final thing is the fixture congestion, and I I think this is the main point that everyone has to understand. There's a lot of people talking about Klopp has not made any changes. Klopp is not altering the system. Why don't you just play Henderson in midfield and just go with a back three instead of a back four and move? Everyone's coming up with reasons for this, and you're not wrong to say that they probably should be working on some kind of other tactical formation. But here's the problem. They play every three days, four days. Everything that they do, every coach has said this, it's rest, recovery, get your feet going again, and play. They don't have the time to completely revolutionize the way they play. At least that is the probably the view from Klopp. He probably sees it as an enormous risk to be like, we're changing the tactics. We're going to change the way we play. I know that may seem somewhat easy from the outset, but look, bringing it back to what I started with, as a coach, I experienced this this weekend. The team that played in the tournament that got to the semifinals and lost, in their first game, they lost 4-0. Why? Because, well, it didn't play great, it was the first game, but also, I decided to be clever. I decided instead of playing our 4-3-3 like we normally do and we have the personnel for and we're good at, I want to try 4-4-2 diamond to try and plug up the midfield and release our forwards, you know, a little bit quicker. The team wasn't well set. We allowed gaps all over the place, and we're beaten 4-0 by a team that we should have beaten 4-0. And so you realize how big of a risk it is to sometimes just change little things because players, they operate, you know, the way under the way you've trained and how you've built your whole style of playing system. So I just think that that's an important thing to remember. We'll, we'll see what happens. I would be shocked if Liverpool's run continues on to 7. But who knows? Maybe there's a song for that from Klopp. Alright, everybody. Uh, keep, keep an eye on these games going on today. Uh, I'll be checking back very soon for all of this. And for any of you who are interested in goalkeepers most recent episode that i posted yesterday episode 40 is the goalkeeper episode Talked to my friends ben sip cough and jesse suarez castro we talked about the goalkeeping position the evolution of it training and the coaching side of goalkeeping really how it works and how you got to treat these guys all right everybody thanks so much for stopping in this is campfire football happy monday have a great week